Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, reading this morning, verses 18 through 22. Matthew 9, verses 18 through 22. And God's people, let's first pray to the Lord, ask for His help. Heavenly Father, thank You again that You speak to us. We remember when we read in Amos that You removed Your Word from Your people, Your covenant people, and as they rebelled against You and continue to do that. What a great tragedy that was. We pray that You would never do so with us if it would... Be Your will according to Your mercy. Rather, give us Your Word. We know that there are many churches who have abandoned Your Word, which means You've taken it from them. And Father, we pray that You would uphold us. We we don't deserve You to uphold us. We have sinned greatly against You. But Lord, now uphold us by Your Word and Your Spirit and shower us with Your grace. That says to the uttermost, even we sinners who love Christ. Father, we ask now that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus, your Son. We pray in his name. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. These are God's words. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Those are God's words. And once again, Jesus has brought healing to the bodies of many, as we've read in the chapters 8 and 9. He's healed not just uh, those of a fever, but even those who are completely lame and paralyzed and in great pain. And so, too, He's forgiven the sins of the paralytic, the one paralyzed, who was lowered down to Him through the roof, you remember. And it's critical... For us this morning, those who come to Him, uh, to know that those who do come to Him, He does not cast out. He receives everyone who comes to Him. He sits with the publicans and the sinners. He encourages feasting in His presence, not fasting. And it's in our passage, Jesus speaking to John's disciples. Remember a couple of Lord's days ago, He's speaking to John's disciples who had... Sadly, foolishly sided with the Pharisees about fasting. 
that we now read in verse 18 that there's a, a certain ruler that came to Jesus while he's speaking to John's disciples. A certain ruler came to Jesus. And we learn in the other Gospels that this man's name is Jairus. Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue there in Capernaum. That's where Jesus is teaching at this moment. He's talking to John's disciples in Capernaum, which is on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And there comes the synagogue ruler, Jairus. What we would call today the elder of the church. There in Capernaum. The synagogues in those days were like churches. Uh, They were in every city. Jairus didn't go to the the Levitical priests of the day. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He went to Jesus Christ as the great high priest who can heal all our diseases. Because he had a daughter who was sick and nearing death. And we've learned much in the last couple chapters of these miracles. Jesus performs as Lord and all His divine power and authority were not meant merely to bring about healing and show forth His awesome wonders, but that these teach us the great effects of sin, which are death and judgment and destruction to our bodies and our souls forever. And these miracles which display His great power shows forth that Jesus alone is the Savior of sinners. And that He alone can deliver you from your sin and the consequences of your sin, which was, in the many cases, bodily ailments or problems in their bodies. Even the delivering of their souls from the the two men, from the, the demons that were in them. Now what He performed in the physical realm on earth all dealing with the effects of sin in this world, the effects of of sin in us, were to all demonstrate His power to deliver from sin itself and the deadly consequences of sin, both body and soul. And so as we consider the passage before us, the first point that we'll look at is your guilt. Your guilt. Your guilt, friends, is clearly shown in your bodies. Jesus shows that to all of us here this morning. And, you know, I can look around and we could all look around. We know some of our typical bodily ailments that each different person here has. Just in normal everyday life. Some in uh, skin. Some with um, memory. Some with stomach issues. And we could go on and on with the different ailments that we all have. Illness and death are with you all on account of sin. The marks of sin are on each one of us. Romans 5, Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death, right? Romans 5 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You're a a mortal being, that means you can die in your body. The reason for this, the reason you you don't live forever in this world with the body you currently have, is because you're a sinner. And we're all sinners. You're a sinner. And though it's not true at all that those who sin uh, most live the shortest lives, that's not true. But it is true that the reason we are mortal, kids, that means, again, that we will die one day in our bodies. 
on earth. The reason we are mortal, the reason we are liable to illness, to fevers, to the flu, being paralyzed, uh, to bones being broken or pulling our muscle or straining our muscles, to pain, to tears, even uh, in the sinful sense. All the way to death, which is illness taken to its full force. Your sickness and fever taken to its full force is death. The reason is because of sin and the guilt of your sin. And so kids, when you get sick, when you get sick, you have a runny nose. Just a runny nose. You have a fever. You don't feel well. Even uh, when you throw up. And your tummy feels bad. That's all showing forth that you're a sinner. It shows forth that truth, that you're a sinner. And as much as you don't want to think about it at that moment, parents, you have a duty, of course, to teach your children, that's why you're sick. Because you're a sinner. At least one reason, right? And one of the main reasons why we get sick, because we're in sin. And so in the passage before us, we find that there are no exceptions to this. There are no exceptions. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. And all those sicknesses and illness eventually lead to death. And see here in the passage, verse 20, there's a woman who had been afflicted for 12 years. Some of you have been afflicted with a bodily ailment for a long time. This woman had been afflicted for 12 years. And 12 years, that's a lot, kids, right? That's a lot of years. That's more than most of your lifetimes for most of the kids here. For the younger or the older kids, that's just a little bit shorter than what you've lived. You might be living 15, 16, 17, 18 years so far. 12 of that, that's more than the majority of your life. And she had this ailment for 12 years. For 12 years. Consider that. She suffered greatly, including much embarrassment, shame, and heartache for 12 years. Because of this, as a Jewish woman, she was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go to worship. We could say it that way. She couldn't go to worship. She was an outcast. She was for 12 years uh, essentially shamed as an outcast. Not able to touch people because that would make them unclean. And others could not touch her because that also would make them unclean. And so there's questions you might ask for a, a grown adult woman. Well, who, who would marry her? She wouldn't be able to be married if she was not already married. And then she couldn't touch her husband if she was. Who would take care of her? And that culture all the more, because women didn't really work. Men and the families took care of the women. That's why there's such a concern when the husband dies and there's a widow or a widow. Verse 18, we have an elder in the synagogue in the church. He's a family man, he has a daughter, right? <clears throat> we assume he has a wife, because he has a daughter. And his daughter, and especially since he's a ruler in the synagogue, he has a wife. His daughter, Luke 8 tells us, is 12 years old. 
Interesting. She had been living for as long as the woman had her issue of blood, which we're told in Mark 5 of her, the woman, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So no one could heal her. She spent all her money to be healed, but no one could heal her. In fact, going to the physicians made her worse. Everything they did only made matters worse. And the disease grew worse. The rich and the poor here meet together. Here's the synagogue ruler, the rich, and this poor woman who had a disease for 12 years. And here they're put together by the Lord in His providence, and so made so by Jesus, according to His will. The respected and the despised and outcast. The young and the older. There are miseries of this life that no amount of age, riches, power, popularity can take away or cause to evade or get away from, right? Because to get away from them. Hebrews 9 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It is appointed unto men to die. Why? Because of sin. It doesn't matter if you're of low society. Middle class, high society, that means it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. doesn't matter if you have no house or a house or a mansion. The guilt and the consequences of sin comes upon all men, all women, all children, everyone. Because all of sin. It is true of all men who are born into the world. We remember Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat, describing all of us, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And so he then says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And then a few chapters later, the wages of sin is death. As we read even in uh, Romans 5, death comes to all because all have sinned. And so friends, the entire world is guilty before the living and true God. And the miseries of this life, the death itself come upon the sinner because unless the sinner is saved and delivered by Jesus Christ alone, are, they are, because of their sin, they are the recipients of the pains of hell forever. Every clearing of your throat, every sickness, every sniffle, right kids? Every sniffle. Every pain you endure proclaims unto you that you deserve the wrath of God for all eternity. That's a a meditation, right? When we think about meditating upon God, that's something you can meditate upon. When you sniffle, right? Why did you do that? And you meditate upon God, and He's taught taught you in in His Word, at least in part, 
It's not just because you're sick. It's because you're sick or because you have allergies, but why do you have all those things? It's because ultimately it goes all the way back to the garden and the fall of man and sin. And you're guilt. You're guilty. The second point this morning, Christ receives all kinds of sinners. And that's a great word to know after we hear that we are guilty. That Christ receives all kinds of sinners. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, had pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his daughter who was so close to death in verse 18. Alright? And it says, While he spake these things unto the, John's disciples, Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. And it goes on and it says, what did Jesus do? And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And that's what we're focusing mostly upon today, is the woman. We'll come back to Jairus and his daughter later. Christ never turned any away. He's never turned any away who come to Him. No matter their social status, or ceremonial status, you know, according to the ceremonial law. Luke 4, and it says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto Him. And He laid His hands on every one of them and healed them. He healed all who came to Him. Every one of them. This is not teaching that those who turn to Christ and are delivered will have perfect health. Christians get sick. Christians die because we're still uh, facing the consequences of those sins on earth with our body. And He will deliver us from these things finally, but not currently. But in the time of Christ's public ministry, those who came to Him for deliverance were all, all, every one of them delivered. Every one of them. This is to teach us that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ never casts out those who come to Him while believing on Him. And here is one who comes to him as he speaks in verse 18, and another one who comes, verse 20, secretly behind him. What does Jesus do with both of them? He receives them and their pleas. He delivers them from their miseries. And friends, it is absolutely certain as Jesus sits now at the right hand of God the Father, that he alone is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. And this is showing us that just as those who are afflicted, those who are sick, those who are suffering the miseries of this life, all who came to Him, He delivered. Every one of them. Christ, now at the right hand of God, this is proclaiming unto you that He receives all sinners who come to the Father by Him. Just as He says, that no sinner who comes to God through Jesus Christ will be sent away or had the hand put up in their face, or rejected in any way. But He is able to save and does save all those who do come to Him for salvation. Jesus is a Savior who receives all kinds of sinners who draw near to God 
by Him. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who you are. What state you're in. If, if they come to Him, if you come to Him, if you come to Jesus for deliverance, He will receive you and save you. And those who don't merely come to Him for healing of the body, but who come trusting in Him, believing on Him as the Savior of sinners, He receives. The woman here, verse 21, within herself. It says, within herself. For she said, within herself, if I may but touch His garment, I shall be whole. She didn't use words. She thought this. Just like uh, the one we talked about before. Uh, No, it was the Pharisees, the scribes, who thought that uh, how could Jesus forgive sins, right? That's earlier in the chapter. And He knew their thoughts. And then He healed them and forgave them of the sins. She thought this in her within herself, in her in her mind, in her heart. If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And the Lord Jesus did make her whole. Verse twenty two. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. She didn't say anything. She's in this great crowd of people and she comes up and touches His garment. He knows exactly what she's thinking. He knows exactly who touched Him even though there's a great crowd and multitude around Him. You remember in the house where they they healed the paralytic? You couldn't get to Jesus. Same in this case. She found a way just like the, the four friends of the paralytic. She found a way and touched His garment. He knew exactly who touched her. And he knew exactly what she thought and what she believed. Jesus receives sinners who come believing upon his name. He receives believing sinners who come with their hidden sins. Who come with their hidden sins. This woman's affliction was concealed and private, but it was known to Christ, and she was healed by him. Notice here, he knows her thoughts. She she said within herself. He knows her faith. Her trusting in Him to make her whole. He knows. He knows your thoughts. He knew her hidden sins when no one else did. He knew all of our. He knows all of our sins, even the ones that are hidden that we are ashamed to reveal to anyone, even our spouse. He knows. He knows all of them. Those sins you would not tell to anyone else. He knows them. None of them are secret or concealed from Him, but all things are naked and opened to the eye of Him with whom we have to do. Everyone. Even those sins buried, suppressed, that you've forgotten. He knows. He knows them all. And yet you are taught here what to do with your hidden sins. We must come to the Lord Jesus Christ with them, with all sins, all of our sins, confess our sins and seek forgiveness of our sins in Christ Jesus alone. Does that mean you have to do it audibly? No. 
He not only knows your sins, every single one of them, but He is able to save you from those sins and the guilt of those sins and the consequences of those sins. He's able to deliver you from them, right? Behold, the Lamb of God, right? Who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. Sinners who come to Jesus with their sins, even the hidden sins, and seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ, all their guilt will be removed as far as the east is from the west. And He'll make you, look outside, He'll make your sins as what? White as snow. Your heart clean. Jesus receives those who are unclean. Even the ones who are unclean He receives. This woman for 12 years was unclean ceremonially. And according to the ceremonial law, made anyone she touched unclean. But Christ still received her and delivered her. Because Christ Jesus receives all who come to Him in faith for deliverance. This woman in her uncleanness could not defile the Lord Jesus Christ or make Him unclean by touching Him. But He could make her whole and pure because He is God. He's the God-man who is perfectly pure and holy. And so it is sinners, even those who are known heinous sinners, if that's you, even such sinners must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, but, but I am much too sinful. I am much too much of an outcast or unclean. How can I come to Him? Because He tells you to come. He commands you to come to Him. And you must come if you are to be delivered from your sins. You're sinful, but no one is so sinful or too sinful to be received by Christ if you come to Him by faith. No one can be kept from coming to Him and being received by Him. Even by your sin. If you come, He will receive you. Yes, you are filthy and impure and unclean in the sight of God, sinner. But He tells you to come and believe on Him and repent of your sins. And you must obey Him. You cannot defile Him, but He can make you whole. You might have so despaired over your life and your sins and what it has brought unto you like this woman. But she turned to Him. This woman had spent all of her money. What did she do? She went everywhere and anything else, did anything else to heal her except coming to Jesus. First. She had spent all of her money to bring healing to her body for 12 years. Going to the physicians, the doctors, nothing helped. It only continued getting worse, the bleeding. But no matter, she used up all of her options. Luke 8. Who is Luke? Luke's a physician. He's a doctor. And so it's important to know, as he's a doctor, what he says, perhaps, in this case. And of course, it's important to hear what he says because it's Scripture, according to the Lord working through him. He said, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living, 
upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. And so the physician, the doctor even says, a physician, a doctor, none of them could heal her. She had nothing left then. She had nowhere else to go. Christ was the only one left. And when she finally turned and came to Him, did He reject her? Because, well, you went after all these other things and then finally came to me when you had no other place to go? No, He didn't. He received her. Even when He was the last option for her, we might say. He still, after she believed on Him, she knew He would heal her, body and soul. And He made her whole. And so it is with your soul, friends, and deliverance from sin and guilt. You'll try any and all things to be delivered from your sin and the effects of sin on this earth, but nothing will deliver you. Nothing, nothing will remove your guilty conscience. Nothing. You will only get what? Worse. Won't you? You will only get worse in your sin. You will spend all your money on things that do nothing but you think can cover the sin. Or can make you feel better about the sin. Like uh, getting drunk or getting on drugs or whatever it might be. And, and doing all things. Working yourself to death. Or sexual immoralities. Go any number of places of what you try to do to cover the guilt of your sin and make it not feel anything, right? But nothing you do will help. You will only get worse. You will spend all your money on things that do absolutely nothing but make you sin more and more. And it will get worse and worse. No one's going to be able to deliver you in this world. If you're trying to earn your way into the favor of God yourself and what you do, you and that will fail. It's the same thing as here. The more you strive to work yourself to be delivered, the more you will fail. And you will only find that you are far worse than before. The more the Lord calls you and commands you to do one thing, the more you resist and do otherwise. It's just like children... You tell them to do one thing, they want to do the opposite. Or you tell them not to do this, and they want to do that, right? And that's just like all of us. We hear the Lord's command, and what do, what do we want to do? We want to do exactly the opposite of that. Because we resist the Lord. And that's why perhaps while you, you're, you are being called to believe right now, sinner, you naturally want to resist. When you're called to believe the gospel and turn from your sin, even Christian, turn from your sin, and you're naturally inclined to do the opposite and resist the Lord who's calling you to believe on Him and to turn again to Him uh, from your sin. But no longer. You must come today to to God the Father through Jesus Christ in faith. Nothing else, no one else will deliver you. Only coming to God by Jesus Christ through faith will deliver you. And that's what we see in this passage. No one, friends, no one ever went to heaven who didn't, in this world, know they deserved to go to hell. There's no one who went to heaven who did did not believe they, with all their being, they deserved to go to hell. If you believe you don't deserve to go to hell, then you're not a Christian. If you believe that any of your 
accumulated works will get you to heaven, you're not a Christian. Nothing you do will get you to heaven or save you unto eternal life. It's only in coming to Christ and trusting in His works that will save you. His righteousness and His death on the cross for your sins that will save you. This woman had nothing left and she despaired except in Christ, she hoped. He was her only hope. If I may but touch His garment, I shall be whole. Is it the same with you? Have you despaired? Despaired of making yourself acceptable to God? Despaired of anyone else, anything else, any church even? Any church being able to make you acceptable before God and take away your guilt? And have you seen that your only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ? For Christ kept the law perfectly, which He did, uh, which we have broken so utterly. He kept it. Never sinned, and yet bore our sins on the cross. Bore the guilt of our sin, the punishment of our sin, the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary. He's the substitute of sinners. He took the place of all sinners who come to God through Him. He is divine. God who suffered in His human nature, and yet because He being God suffered, those sufferings are of infinite value. None perish who trust in Him alone. And so you are to believe, friends, that there is no hope outside of faith in Jesus Christ and salvation, salvation in Him. But if you come not to Christ alone by faith, you will endure the eternal torments of the wrath of God. The utter shame. Being outcast forever. You will know forever that all your methods, your schemes for saving yourself were vanity and worthless. All that wishful and self-delusion will be seen for what it is. Despair, friends, of all the grounds of acceptance before God, except the one true ground, Jesus Christ. Turn to Him like this woman. It doesn't matter when you do it, but do it now. Do it now. This woman, it took 12 years to finally despair enough, completely, to turn in faith to Jesus Christ. It may be, it may have been, it may be much longer for you. But today turn to Christ by faith. Today, now is the day of salvation, the Lord says. And so friends, know today that Christ receives all kinds of sinners. In verse 22 again it says, But Jesus turned him about when he saw her. He said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Well, you remember in verse 2, chapter 9, verse 2, when Jesus seeing the faith of the group of friends with the man sick of palsy, Jesus said to the man, He said, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Son, be of good cheer. And here is Jesus again to this woman, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Daughter, be of good comfort. 
And so, friends, this is further evidence of the deity of Jesus Christ. That He is God, calling the man, son, and the woman, daughter. 2 Corinthians 6 is fulfilled here. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Adoption into the family of God is a wonderful blessing granted to all who believe on the Lord Jesus, the Savior Jesus Christ, for salvation. It's spoken of in John 1. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so all who call upon the name of Jesus for salvation, those who do so enter into the family of God because He brings them into the family. He adopts them. And they have, all of you who believe today, you have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. This woman believed. And so Jesus said to her, daughter, just that word, daughter, what a precious word. Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And with the man, be of good cheer. Here be of good comfort. Jesus, Jesus dispenses comfort freely to believing sinners who come unto Him by faith for salvation. What did Jesus say? It is her faith that made her whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Jesus didn't see who touched His garment. Turns around, he knows exactly who it was, what she's thinking, what she believes. Even though the great crowd that's surrounding him, pushing in on him, he knew exactly who believed on him and who had touched the garment, who had touched him out of faith. Born of God. By the Spirit, taking the dead stony heart, making that heart alive so that the sinner, by God's grace, believes on the Lord by the gift of God and is saved from all their sins. And guilt of sins. Jesus recognizes the woman's faith, though no words by her had been spoken. No prayers prayed. He recognizes what? Individuals who believe on His name and they are individually received by Him. This salvation of souls is an individual matter, and yet we are all the bride of Christ who are saved, who are His. One does not enter into the kingdom of glory by being part of a certain church or holding to a certain doctrinal beliefs, a set of doctrinal beliefs, or what you do. It's, it is for you, sinner, that Christ must save you, singular, individual. You must believe, sinner. You are told to believe, commanded to believe on His name and the promise, you shall be saved. And so that you'll be forgiven and accepted by God in Christ. And so consider, friends, all the reasons just from these few verses why you should and must come to Christ by faith, knowing that He will receive you if you do. That despite all your sin and all your guilt, He receives all who come to Him by faith. Despite your being rich or poor, high society, low society, being impure and unclean, He still receives all who come to Him by faith. And this woman knew with faith, just touching Christ's garment, she would be made whole. That's how pure and clean and righteous Jesus is. His garment would be sufficient to deliver her. Now, it's of course not the garment that delivers her. 
It's Jesus that does. But that's how sufficient the Lord Jesus is to save you from your sins. How sufficient He is to take away sin, to pardon all of your sins and forgive you, and to cleanse you of your sins and make you whole. Verse 22 at the very end, it says, And the woman was made whole from that hour. Immediately, she was made whole. Because what? Jesus declared her whole. He saved her. It was immediate. There's no delay between faith in Christ and we would say justification. There's no delay. It's immediate. We are justified by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Real guilt and real forgiveness for those who believe on the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are none who are forgiven prior to believing. They are, before believing, children of wrath, as all the others. But when by the grace of the Lord He sends His Holy Spirit, it gives you the gift of faith to believe on Him, and you believe, and you see your sins, and you hate your sins, and you believe, they are immediately, those people who do so, are immediately forgiven. They're accepted by the Lord. They are adopted into His family. And they're children of God, sons and daughters. And that's a great blessing to all of you, to sinners who believe on Christ. How it ought to encourage you all today to believe on His name, even the most wretched of sinners amongst us, that He receives all who come to Him by faith. And so therefore, friends, each one of you must come to believe. You come to Jesus and believe on Him. And here's one of the greatest encouragements, friends, to all of you who believe on Christ for salvation. It's in verse 22. Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. Or from that hour. She came to him secretly in the midst of the crowd, in faith, touching his garment. In faith. That's it. In a great crowd, no one in the crowd knew that she touched his garment, but Jesus. And that's the Gospel. And here the Gospel showing us that it must be publicized. This should be made well known. It says, But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, What did he do? He publicized the Gospel. He says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Again, she came in secret. Great crowd. No one knew that she touched His garment. No one knew that she believed on Him. He turned around, Jesus does, and He says out loud before the whole crowd, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. He makes the Gospel known. And so we ought to do what? Just like the psalmist, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, once again we come to You in the name of Christ Jesus, Your Son. We plead today that You would save each one here, justify them by faith, grant them Your Holy Spirit, that they would then receive the grace of faith, the gift of faith. 
where there is nothing of us that can believe except that you would grant it to us. Grant us that great grace of repentance unto life. That even the oldest amongst us who has rebelled and done heinous and wretched sins and has rebelled against you all their life would believe today. And that the youngest one here, even in the womb, who we don't even know has done anything bad except what you say in your word, that they are conceived in sin. And yet, publicly, they, they haven't done anything bad. They have not sinned except what you said in your word. Cause them to turn unto you today by faith. And so send your Spirit. And to all of our children, everyone here, and all throughout the world, we pray that nations would turn unto you, our rulers would turn unto you by faith. And that the free offer of the Gospel would go forth and many would hear and believe unto salvation. Father, we know that there is no hope outside of Christ, faith in Christ Jesus. And so, give hope to your people and comfort your people and cause your elect to call upon you by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.